Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. Great to see you, church fam. We're going to get started this morning. I have a word from the Lord for you. I've been believing uh, God for this message for quite some time. There's a verse that's been in my heart, and um, you probably have heard it to some degree before. But today, thank you, Pastor Henry and Pastor Josh. Man, I got some talented pastors around here. They can play music. They can MC. They can preach. Pastor John over there as well. He can build anything, fix anything. It's good to have great people like this in your life. If you're with me this morning, you have your Bible open. If not, we'll have it on the screen. It's going to be Mark chapter 2, verse 21 and 22. I want to go to this passage of Scripture where Jesus is speaking. And he just, I'm going to jump right into this phrase, and then I'm sorry, this passage, and then I'll explain what he was talking about. It says, Mark, 20, uh, Mark 2, verse 21 and 22, besides... Who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. Have you ever found yourself in a season where you're expecting life to go this way and to go somewhere completely different? You're like, yeah, obviously, all of 2020. Me too. We're in that right now. We expected something about this year. We had our expectations. We had our ideas. We had our perceptions. We had our thoughts about where things would go. And here we are in 2020, in the middle of the year, uh, having little to no ability to predict, at least in San Antonio, uh, where things are health-wise, with the cases rising of the coronavirus, with school uh, still being in question for a lot of students, older and younger, for childcare and and parents and work situations. And as you're driving around the city, you're seeing businesses lost and empty buildings that once had flourishing buildings and flourishing uh, staffs and flourishing companies. Uh, shutting down. People now working from home, people unable to go into those places. And so those places are no longer keeping the lease for the people that were leasing those buildings or purchasing those buildings. It's, it's a different time. We thought life was going this way, and now it's going this way. And um, we, we see that right now happen in our society, but we've seen that happen even in probably less serious things like uh, when we try to make a Pinterest recipe. It looks really good, on the screen, but then the way it turns out uh, doesn't necessarily look like the way we thought it would, and it ends up a Pinterest fail on Instagram. We also know that someone will say maybe that they're making our favorite dish, uh, or maybe something that we have an infatuation with. Maybe somebody says, you know, I'm making Mexican rice, and you think, ooh, this is going to be tasty. And then you taste it, and it's not like grandma's Mexican rice. In fact, it's very disappointing. It's very bland. It's, it doesn't have the spices that your grandmother put in there. It doesn't have the experience that your, mother, that your mother or grandmother had in making that dish. And you find yourself on the other side of that experience. You thought things were going to go this way, but they didn't go that way. They went somewhere different. Well, that is the, 
in a funny way. That's the framework of this, this passage where Jesus is speaking. He's speaking with people who have these long-held religious traditions. They've been doing things a certain way for a long time. And they have their ceremonies and their perceptions and their ideas and their traditions and their beliefs about the way things are going. And that's what happens. When you do things a certain way for a long time, you tend to think this is the way it always is. This is the way it should be. This is the way it's always going to go. These are my expectations. And especially for those of you who maybe like all your ducks in a row and like to be able to navigate life very you know, uh, clearly and specifically and to be able to articulate where you're going to people and what's happening, this whole season is completely different for you. And we have people who had long-held traditions. And, it, and it's, it's based on when Jesus had his disciples and people started questioning Jesus, saying, hey, why aren't your disciples fasting? John the Baptist is here and, and his disciples fast and they follow the traditions. And we, the Pharisees, we, we fast, we follow the tradition. Why aren't your disciples fasting? If you guys are so holy, why aren't you following with the religious tradition that has been upheld in our community and in our standard for so long? How come you're not doing that? And then Jesus responds with this passage. You don't take new cloth and put it on the old cloth. You don't take new wine and put it into old wineskins. You're saying if you take a, a, a piece of new cloth where there's a garment that is old and it's been washed so many times that it's shrunk as much as it's going to shrink, and then you've got a new piece of cloth that you put on top of that, it's going to end up tearing away because it hasn't been through what the old thing has been through. And it can't hold it. Said so the same with wine. People would store wine in wineskins, right? They didn't go to the, the grocery store or the wine cellar and pick up a bottle of wine. Wine was fermented there on site. Wine would be put into a wine skin, which as gross as this sounds, was an animal skin uh, that would be cleaned. And they would put the wine in there. And that's how the wine would ferment. And as it fermented, it, the, the skin, this is getting really gross, the skin would, would expand. And that's how the fermented wine would be prepared. Well, Jesus was saying, once that skin has gone to expansion and it's expanded as far as it, it can go, you can't put brand new wine that hasn't fermented yet into that old wine skin because that old wine skin has expanded as much as it can expand. And if you put new wine that's not fermented in that, it will bust it wide open. And he says, you will spill and waste, not just the new wine, but you'll waste and bust apart the wine skin. That's the framework that we're talking about here. Jesus responds with this sense of completion about what has come. He's saying something new has come. He's referring to himself and he's working, well, referring to the work of the Holy Spirit. He's saying the new thing that's come can't fit into your old traditions. The new thing that I'm going to do does not fit into your old way of doing things. The new thing that I'm about to do doesn't fit into the old framework of the way you thought, the way you think, the way you expect, your experience. It's completely different. In fact, if you try to fit the new thing into the old way, you're going to waste it all. So they were blown away. They were like, what are you talking about? What is this new thing? Jesus was referring to himself. We as believers now have him. We now have the Holy Spirit. 
Now, a lot of times we look at this story and we look at these Pharisees and we look at people who didn't believe and we think, God, you know, these people were so inflexible. Couldn't they see the truth? Didn't they see Jesus right there in front of them? Didn't they see the miracles? Didn't they see? But at the same time, uh, we read these stories in hindsight. Uh, we read them as, as historical theology. We, we read them as part of our understanding of how Jesus came to be and the work he, that he did. We're not stuck in that time like he was. And in that time, what he was doing was navigating the unbelief and the traditions of people that could not see him as the Messiah, that could not see him as Lord, that could not see him for who he was and who he was called to be and what he was called to do. So it's easy for us to look at them and say, oh man, these guys, they didn't get it. They couldn't see Jesus, who was the truth. They couldn't see he was the new wine. And almost pridefully, we kind of look at people in the Bible who just didn't get it. And we judge them and say, man, if they should have just been awakened, they should have been woke, they should have really gotten the big picture. But if you think about it, anytime God starts shifting your life, trying to do a new thing, and he starts doing it in a way that you're not used to. Truth be told, you don't like it either. I don't like it. You don't like it. We don't like it. We like predictability. But God is unpredictable in many ways in which he does things. Oh, he's predictable in his love and his compassion and his grace and his mercy. There are fundamental things about Jesus that are always predictable. Then there are the ways he moves and the things he does and the pathways he takes us on. And the experiences he takes us through. Sometimes he takes us through the valley to show us the mountain. Sometimes he lets us sit on the mountain and not experience the valley. Sometimes that's all people know is the valley. Nevertheless, God is God of the mountain. He's God of the valley. His grace is in the valley. His grace is on the mountain. His mercy and his peace can be found on the mountain as much as they can be found in the valley. But we like predictability. We like God fitting into our wineskin of experience. We like God to fit into our ideas of how life is going to go, of how the year is going to turn out. And 2020 is completely opposite of that. God is bursting 2020 wide open with anything that can be called predictable. <laughs> Jesus is bursting wide open our expectations, our thoughts, our beliefs, our experiences of how we thought life would go. And I believe what I'm saying today is that the new thing God is trying to do in you as a man, as a woman, in your family, in your business, in your children, in your spirit, in your mind, in your heart, through your actions. This new thing God is trying to do, it doesn't fit into the old way of life. I've been saying this to some people, and I don't know if they get it, but you'll get it when we get there. But our church is never going to be the same after this. Whatever Grace Avenue was before this, it no longer is. It's done. Something new has already transitioned. Something new has taken place. Something new has been born. There's so many different facets of Grace Avenue that are now operating that didn't before. There's so many things that were operating before that at this moment, they're either on hold or 
They've been retired. Some operations. Now, we still have ministry happening and groups happening and uh, life happening and preaching the word. And, and, And here's what I've been telling our church. I'm sorry. Here's what I've been telling our staff and our team. The most important thing for me throughout this whole season has been this. Since day one, I said, there's a lot I can't control. We're shutting the church doors. We don't know when they'll reopen. So here's what's important to me. Jesus said to Peter three times, feed my sheep. He had to repeat it. It was so important to Jesus. Peter know this, that he repeated it three times, almost to the disgrace and the shame of Peter, who's almost kind of like, I hear you. I, I hear what you're saying. He's like, no, you don't. Feed my sheep. Feed the people I love. I've told our church, this is our focus. We're going to feed the people of God. We're going to keep their spirits fed, their hearts fed, their minds fed. We're going to feed them the word of God. We're going to continue with prayer and presence. We're going to reset our church. We're going to believe God for revival. God doesn't need a building to do revival. He doesn't do revival in buildings. He does revival in hearts and minds. That's where revival begins, and that's how revival extends. We gather in a building, but we preach God's love and God's life from our heart, from our minds. And obviously from the declaration of our mouth. We don't get revival by staring at what was, but by perceiving what is and what will be. This is what God said in Isaiah. Behold, I do a new thing. Do you not perceive it? In other words, when God is doing something new, there's supposed to be something at our end, our participation, where we have an awareness of what God is doing. We perceive what God is doing. We don't just sit back with, you know, crossed arms and folded legs and just say, well, I wonder what God's doing here. We're supposed to run towards God and see him do something that only he can do. Church, I've been praying for you that you would see the new thing God is trying to do in your life. Right now, in 2020, it's halftime. If you're a fan of the NFL or a fan of the NBA, if you're not a sports fan like my wife, you might want to tune this part out or at least try and understand. It's going to be a really good analogy here, especially if you're a sports fan. But if you're a fan of the NFL and the NBA, obviously you know what halftime is. Um, Halftime is where the the players get a break. It's where the fans go to grab something to eat or something to drink or go use the restroom or talk to people. Um, it's, It's halfway through the middle of a very long game. And Reporters get to comment on how the players are doing and, and commentators on a television show get to, to comment on the playing ability of individuals and teams. And halftime gives you the opportunity to assess what has happened and to predict what could be. To look ahead and say, if this changes, that could happen. If this doesn't change, if this keeps happening, that won't be. Sports fans, are you following me? Halftime represents an opportunity to evaluate what has been done and calculate what could happen next. Now, here's the thing. Halftime does not guarantee that you're going to finish well. Right? We, it, isn't, it isn't a guarantee that, oh, well, you started the game great and you're going to finish great. No, it's halfway through and there's another team coming for you. Right? It just guarantees you an opportunity to finish well. It doesn't guarantee it. It gives you the opportunity. This year is the same way. 
It's halftime in 2020. The first half was terrible on many fronts in the conditions and the way things have been and the way things still currently are for some of us. And there are some things we can't predict at halftime for the rest of the year, but there are some things that we can look back on and say, what needs to stop? What needs to end with this half of the year? See, halftime doesn't guarantee that you're going to lose even though you're behind or even though you've had a bad half. It just guarantees you're going to have opportunity to see things turn around. So it's not guaranteeing, guaranteeing you a win. Hey, you got this. It's, it's going to be great. Like, it would be a great disservice to you for me to give you a cheap McDonald's Happy Meal sermon and to just say, hey, if this half of the year has been bad, to just preach one of those cheap sermons of turn your, to, what, do they, what do they say, to, uh, turn your, your setback into a comeback. Okay, well, that's nice, uh, positive affirmation and hype. At the end of the day, you still got to get to work with your faith and, and, and get your legs moving towards a faith-filled direction. So it's not enough to just have in your mind, oh, I'm going to turn it into a comeback. It's not enough. You need more than that. You need to be aware of the new thing God was trying to do in you and look at the old thing that no longer fits the new thing God is saying and say, what needs to change? It starts with me. What needs to change? What needs to shift? See, instead of a cheap McDonald's Happy Meal, because God's not doing any fast food service right now. Anybody who's getting in line, even a Chick-fil-A or Starbucks, knows there's about 20 cars in line just to get something. He's not doing fast food the way he did. I encourage you to look at the menu of what God is serving right now. To look at the menu of what God is cooking up. To look at the ingredients of what God is using to prepare for you and your future. See, I got some of you there because I moved from sports to food. Now I got some of your attention. He's not serving up anything quickly right now. God is making us wait. And he's making us pay attention. Now, remember at the beginning of the year, we started the year talking about stewardship. We started talking about making room. And I said, Make room. This is the word that I believe God has for us for this year and for this decade. Talk about being between a rock and a hard place now. We've had to make room in every area of our life to adjust to things that we weren't prepared for. And half time is here. And you got a chance to make room. To really think, what needs to go? What do I need to step into? Now, why do we do that? I want to read you a verse, Ephesians chapter 5. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So what was Paul saying here? He was saying, look at the way you walk day in and day out. Use this time. Look at time for what it is, a season. Don't just look at that you've lost a job. Don't just look at that plans haven't gone. Don't don't just look at the old wineskin of what was. Assess the time right now. Take ownership of it. 
and do something with it. This is what he's saying. Look carefully then how you walk. What are we doing? We're walking in 2020. We're walking really slow. We're not walking at the pace we wanted to, but we're walking at the pace that we have to. He said, look carefully, not as unwise people. In other words, what are unwise people? It's those who disregard, right? Wet paint sign, what do they do? Put their hand on it. Hey, that stove is hot. Oh, really is it? They touch it. Ouch, I told you it was hot. I was in the restaurant business back in the day. I would say, hey, this plate is very hot. People go, okay, thank you very much. And they grab the plate and go, ow. I mean, time after time after time, it's like people would hear what you say, but it would go in one ear and out the other. And he's saying, not as unwise, but as wise. Why? To make the best use of the time. What is the best use of your time in 2020 at halftime for the rest of this year? Why? Because the dates are evil. Don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. I think there's three things God points out through this verse, how we're called to take ownership of our time. The first way is this. It's about having clarity about your life. Two, it's about choosing discipline in your life. And three, and making a commitment to your life. See, 2020 has left us with a lot of fog in the air. So what do you need to be clear about in the fog, right? Look, when you're driving a car and the fog comes down on the highway and you can't see but maybe five to ten feet in front of you, what are you focused on? You can't focus on a mile ahead. All you can focus on is what is right in front of you. If you try to, to, you know, shine your brights through it, it blinds you. If you try to, you know, navigate through it, it, it's going to remain the same. The fog is there and you have to navigate through the fog with the clarity that you have. What clarity do you have in 2020 right now that you do not have in the beginning of the year? When you told God you were making room for new things. When we wrote on cards and probably a thousand cards in, in this bag that I have at home where I've been praying over these things. People wrote down what they were making room for in their life. Making room for God in this area and that area. Things were were becoming clear at the beginning. And people started saying, oh man, I'm hearing God. I see where he's taking me. It's time to make room in this particular area. You had clarity for your future, for your family, for your finances, for your job. It was as clear as day. This is where I hear God. This is how I'm moving forward. I'm taking ownership of that. I'm asking you to revisit that right now. To take ownership. To get clarity about where you are in this moment. Look, the news does not have your destiny in its hand. God does. And if you continue to look at social media and the CDC and who and this president or the next president or this government or city or state officials, you will miss the new thing that God is doing. And I'll tell you why. Because the old wineskin is also the way we as Christians have been relying, I believe, too much on what other people say. And God is trying to get our attention in a way that nobody else can control. In medicine, in politics, with racial tension, with people aggravated with one another, people fighting in Starbucks lines over, over ridiculous things. Look, our eyes need to be on the prize. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus in this season. Say, God, what are you saying to me? Someday I will stand before you. Lord, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to my family? I I let go, God, of the old wineskin, of the old thing of how I thought you would move, and I embrace the new clarity you want to give me. It's about choosing discipline in your life. 
Look, where do you need discipline in your life where there is still chaos? Look, I'm not trying to make anybody here today feel when I say the word discipline. Uh, if you know you're undisciplined, this is not about feeling guilty. This is just about taking ownership. It's acknowledging and recognizing, okay, where am I undisciplined? Am I undisciplined with my finances? Am I still not tithing? Am I still not giving? Am I still making excuses for this? Am I still not serving my neighbor? Am I still just going week after week, worried about me, my life, and not really concerned about anybody whatsoever and calling myself a Christian? Am I saying I'm a person who loves God? Even though God says, how can man say he loves God but, does not, but hates his brother, are we still hating people? Come on, let's be honest. What is undisciplined that needs to be Discipline that needs to be addressed. Right now at halftime, God's saying, look, this is the way it was in the first half of this year. It's time to shift gears because God wants to do a new thing. Where do you need discipline in life where there's still chaos? Number three, making a commitment to your life. Let me ask you this. When will you be important enough to you to commit to you? When will you be important enough to you? You're important to God. But when will you be important enough to you and enough to you so that you can commit to you? You can commit to you fulfilling the plans and the purposes of God. Come on. Look, the winds come, the rains come, the storms try to blow the house down. But when our lives are founded on the word of God, we stand strong. We don't get yanked back and forth by the storm. Because our our life is on a solid foundation. But our mind can go places. And our hearts can go places. Our faith can go places. Well, we're not not a place of of trust and faith and commitment to our own life and destiny. You want to know what I've learned over the years? Nobody's going to believe in me as much as me. Of course God believes in you. But nobody's going to believe in me as much as me. Like at the end of the day and at the beginning of the day, I have to look in the mirror and understand God has made me for this time. And God has made you for such a time as this. And if you're still looking for somebody else to come and save the day, buddy, you're missing the boat. The boat has sailed. God is wanting you to believe who he has made you to be and what he's created you for. You have what it takes because he put it in you. But if you're still believing that there's somebody else coming to save the day, you're going to be waiting a long time. That Uber is not going to show up. You can try another app. That Lyft is not going to show up. Try another form of public transportation. Nobody else is going to get you to where God has called you to go. But the faith that he has placed in your heart and the new thing he's doing requires that you listen in a new way. For some of you, maybe that means God's been asking for time in his presence. And we're like, yeah, yeah, I I know that, God, I know. For some of us, maybe that means, means prayer that is often on the back burner needs to be brought to the front of the stove. Look, he goes on to say, it would be foolish to not understand what the will of the Lord is. So what's the will of the Lord? Look. When I was in my 20s, this was the worst question and the worst discussion anybody could have with somebody in their 20s. 
And as I pastored a lot of young adults over the last couple of decades, I found this is still the most confusing and unnecessary question to start talking about. What's the will of God for my life? What's the will? What's the purpose of God? What am I going to do? Where am I going to be in five years? Where am I going to be in 10 years? Remember this, boys? Remember this? Come on. We were all just as confused as one another trying to figure out what's the purpose of God. You know what the purpose of God is? That you know him, that you love him, that you experience him, that you let everything about Jesus be poured out into your life so that you're not living this life confused, stepping into sin traps that set you back three, five, 10, 15 years, not making mistakes as unwise people. Come on, that is what the will of the Lord is. It's that you know Jesus. Everything else comes from that. But if the purpose of God is, oh, I, I see you, Jesus, I'll be right there. I'll get to church. I'll, I'll get to giving. I'll get to loving. I'll get to serving. But I, I got to go chase these dreams over here real quick. I'll be back in about six months. We're missing the purpose. Eternity is everything on this earth that's temporal, God. And everything that means everything with him. And Jesus is asking us, to get a taste of eternity right now here on earth with him. What's the will of the Lord? It's his face that you're called to seek. It's his love you're called to experience. It's his purpose you're called to fulfill. It's his mission that you're called to serve. So what do coaches do at halftime, right? Coaches pull the players in. And they correct the rhythms that were off. Right? They, they don't fill their players with guilt. Tell them you're horrible. Come on. They don't take self-reflection and, and, and turn it into rejection. They, they take players. They correct the rhythms. And they direct the players towards effective outcomes. What is the effective outcome for the rest of 2020? Here at halftime. It's that you perceive the new thing God is trying to do in your life. It, it, it may mean you letting go of some of the old voices that you have leaned upon up, up until this stage in life. They served a purpose. Okay? But Moses died, and Joshua had to pick up his own mantle and start doing what God had called him to do. And the things that Moses did were different than Joshua, and things that Joshua did were different than Moses. Elijah and Elisha, Paul and Timothy, Jesus and the disciples, David and Saul. We see everybody starts around someone, but has to start standing in faith and going to war the way God has called them to do battle. And you can't always do it the way your mentor did it, or your mom did it, or your parents did it, or your last church did it. David stood before he fought Goliath and said, I cannot wear this armor that Saul was trying to put on him. He said, I can't wear this. I've got to fight my way. Some of you understand that right now. It just made sense. You've been trying to fight with somebody else's armor. You've been trying to fight somebody else's way. You've been trying to fight this battle somebody else's way. But you can't wear Saul's armor. Saul meant well. Saul was a warrior. Saul knew that could work. But it worked for him, but it didn't work for David. You have to know in this season what God is using, what tools he's using to shape you. And for David, all it was was a, a sling and five stones. And for us, 
What is that thing God's calling us to do battle in this season with? It's not Saul's armor. It's not the way Moses did it. It's not Moses' miracle. Joshua had to stand and see his own miracles. Do you need courage in this season to stand and see the miracle that God wants to do through your life, in your life, in your family? Does courage need to rise in you? Is that the new thing God is trying to birth in you? Is it fear that he's calling to be buried? Come on, will there ever be a better season in your life to reset your attitude, to reset your expectations, uh, to reset your anger, maybe with God, with the way things haven't turned out this year, to reset your impatience? Uh Uh-oh, hello. I got your attention on that one. Come on, you're talking to somebody who is impatient, all right? I understand my impatience is being reset in this season like never before. My, my level of patience, of learning how to roll with God. Trust God no matter what. Reminds me of a story. I'm probably going to go late on this message, but this is a good story. I was in a restaurant eating with Janelle and pastors Brandon and Lindsay Stewart. This is a few years ago. And we go into this restaurant, and there's a lady sitting there by herself with flowers at the table. And she's at the table just having dinner, and all the waiters are coming up and saying, are you waiting for someone? Are you waiting for someone? And she's like, no. No, actually, my husband just died. We were married. I forgot how long. Forgive me if you're watching this. Um, They've been married for decades, raised children, and he had fought a, a battle with cancer, and he passed away. And this is the first Valentine's in, in decades that they'd ever not had Valentine's Day together. And he always bought her flowers. So someone made sure she had flowers. Someone booked her at this restaurant. She sat there and she just ate at that dinner table to honor her husband. His name was, I believe it was Kenny. Her name was Teresa. And she sat there afterwards while we're eating, we look to the side, we see what's going on, we hear waiters talking, we start talking to her. Before you know it, we're in the parking lot, we're talking with her, we're praying over her, we're praying with her. We, we took some pictures. I, I threw this up on Instagram a few years ago, but she told me something that I'll never forget. And she gave me like a, an arm bracelet that you, you know, one of those ones that kind of like stretch out that you put on your arm that are like the rubbery ones. And it said, trust God no matter what. She said, my husband was battling cancer and this was his thing. He told me, honey, don't fear that no matter what we're going through, no matter what I go through, trust God no matter what. Trust God no matter what. That was his anthem. He said it in church. He said it to her. He said it to everybody he met. That next week and month that followed was when everything went crazy and everything went south for my my wife's health, for the baby, for just everything, for the most crazy season of unknown I've ever experienced. And I had this bracelet on that said, trust God no matter what. See, here was someone that could have stayed home that night, could have set themselves in a position where they were going to stay in a low place about what had taken place in life. It takes a lot of courage to go on Valentine's Day and sit at a table by yourself and have a steak dinner with flowers there after decades of love and devotion has been part of your life and to sit there with a smile on your face and encourage the waiters that are coming by 
and then encourage some pastors that are sitting there, telling them to love one another and to take care of each other and to trust God no matter what. That takes some courage when you're in a low place. Well, that wonderful woman is a, a Facebook friend of mine, and, and she still to this day has, has encouraged me. She encouraged me through the whole season with the hospital. She was telling me, trust God no matter what. Trust God no matter what. And every, every, every time around, around a couple of months ago, around this time of the year, that picture comes up, and it reminds me, trust God no matter what. God's asking you to trust him in this season. I want to read you this verse to seal this. Because as God is speaking to you, the same way he spoke to you about the make room moment in the early part of the year. I'm bringing that back to the table now. What did God ask you to make room for? What is God asking for you to make room now? James chapter 1 says, Anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Come on, what a waste of time to to hear God say, I want you to make room for this. But then we just forget what God said and we kind of just walk away. God is calling you to a season of obedience. He's calling you to make room in this season. It's not as hard as you think. For you... It may be like this woman. You have to put a smile on your face. Trust the memories of what God has built into your life. Have courage to sit at the table with God. Have a steak dinner with him and say, God, I'm trusting you no matter what. I'm trusting that you're going to get me through this, that you're going to give me new understanding that the new thing you want to do It doesn't have to fit into the old way. It doesn't have to fit into the old wineskin. It doesn't have to fit into the old expectation. God, I trust you. I trust you, God. God is looking for trust this season from all of us as a church, but specifically individually as members of Grace Avenue Church. I, I tell our church fam this. This church is as strong as you are. Are we a generous church? This church is as generous as you are. Are we a holy church? This church is as holy as you are. Are we a faithful church? This church is as faithful as you are. Are we a church that loves the word? This church is a church that loves the word as much as you live, love the word. Do we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit? This church believes in the power of the Holy Spirit as much as you believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Where are you, church fam? Where are you this morning? I turned 45 yesterday. Woo! Somebody get me a cane and a walker. I'm creeping up in years. It's half time for my life. By God's grace, I'll, I'll do another 45. But I want to see you on that journey more than anything. Hear the new thing and respond to the new thing and step out of this season. Come on. I'm asking you, church. Quit looking at social media every day. Get into the Word of God. Quit scrolling through the fear and the not. Quit reacting to people who aren't even leading anybody but have loudmouth opinions 
about everyone and everything. You're wasting your time. They're leading no one. It's a little bubble of their friends that like their posts. Get away from that. You don't need to prove anybody wrong about anything. You're not called to educate every single person on Facebook. You are called to do the new thing God is calling you to do and to know your God and serve him all the days of your life. Raise your family. Love your family. Take care of yourself. Work out. Eat healthy. Pray. Do the things that matter most. The things you said at the beginning of the year you were going to make room for. Look, you want to know what most of the things were? Most of the things were about this. I want to spend more time with God. Spend more time with family. I want to make room for relationships, healthy relationships. I want to make room to serve. And I want to make room to tithe or give. It was almost all of the things, I would say a large percentage of those things, about 60 to 70% so far that I've seen on those cards were all about those five things. Guys, what does that mean for our church? That means at the beginning of the year, the things that were most important were on the back burner. Where are they now? Where will we be as a church when we come out of this season? Strong, Dilapidated. Weak or strong. Ready to take on those who we've made room for. As new people will come. I'm believing God's doing a new thing in your life. Come on, would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for the new thing you're doing in all of our lives. I pray specifically for our church family this morning. Lord, that they would hear your voice and get clarity like never before. Father, that the old package, the old wineskin, the old cloth, the old garment, the old tradition, that's not bad, that's just outdated. God, that we would have a new perception of what you want to do by your spirit of what you're telling us to do Lord Jesus this morning I believe you want to pour courageous faith into people that feel traumatized and tormented by the anxiety they're experiencing on this earth right now I pray God for the women of this house to embrace the name bold that is over the women's ministry in this house. I pray that all the women in the bold forum continue to stir one another towards love and good works. I pray that that forum continues to be a source and force of life and health and hope and healing. It's on fire right now, God, doing amazing things. But God, I pray that you continue to stoke the flame of what's happening in the women of our church. God, I pray for the men of our church right now in the Pursuit Forum, the Grace Avenue Church Men's Forum, God, where people are growing through commitment and through challenges and through discipline. God, I continue to pray that you would strengthen and raise up a generation in this church. God, and whatever you're doing with Grace Avenue, wherever it is that we come out of in this season, wherever we are, whatever we do, wherever we meet, whatever is next, God, Let us be prepared 
to step boldly into what you've called us to. We accept the challenge, God. We embrace the challenge. We embrace the new thing that you want to do. And we relinquish the old control, the old impatience, the old attitudes, the old mindsets, the old containers. And we say, God, pour yourself out new in our church and in every person in this church. This morning, if you're watching for the first time, or maybe you've been watching and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, uh, guys, this is what we're all about. Uh, what you see is what you get. There's not a lot of hype here. It's just who we are. We love God. We love people. We serve people. We serve the community. We serve our church. And we're generous. Those are the things that make us who we are. And Jesus has been calling you to follow him. And if this is the, the first time that you're watching or maybe the, the first time you're feeling a real conviction, I don't know, maybe today it just made sense. That moment happened for me and for so many that are watching today. And that moment was to cross over the line, to step into new life with Jesus and to let go of the false sense of control that we now realize with everything going on the earth we don't have and to step into what we call surrender. Surrender to Jesus. Where our life is surrendered to him. Where he takes our sin and our shame and our guilt, our, the filthy things of our life, our frustrations, our uh, mistakes. And he, he takes all these things and he, he puts them on the cross. And he says, I'm crucified for those things. And never do I hold those things against you. If you receive that gift of his life and his love, if you confess your sin to him, ask him to be the Lord of your life, he saves you. Friend, I believe many people need to make this decision today for whatever reason. I believe people are watching today Fourth of July, when they could be at a picnic on the lake somewhere, you're watching a church service, maybe you don't even know who I am or why you're watching. God ordained this time for you. So I want to pray with you. Pray that you'd receive Jesus Christ into your life and that all things would become new. I didn't say all things would become perfect. I said all things would become new. Your sin would be forgiven. Your life would be set on course. Your purpose would be unveiled to you as God begins to work in your life and in your heart. And we'll help you as much as you'll let us help you. If that's you this morning, would you pray with me? Just repeat this after me wherever you are. Even if you're like in a public place and you can't really say, look, say it under your breath. Say it with me. Say, Lord Jesus, today I receive your freedom your liberty and ask you to forgive me of my sin and forget in my own way set me on course Lord save me right now secure my life and my eternity I love you Jesus in your name I pray Friend, it blesses me to know that you prayed that right now. If you prayed 
that prayer, would you just either type in the comments or send us a, a message. Just say, I was saved today. Just say those words. I was saved today. And somebody's going to reach out and give you something and just make sure that you're helped with the next step. If you made that decision today, we're so happy for you. We stand with you. We're believing God's grace over your life. We're going to keep believing that God is going to keep working in and through your life in this season. I love you. Church fam, I'll see you next week. God bless you. Have an incredible week. Continue to be safe. Continue to stay safe. In Jesus' name, take care. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church, or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.